Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to our newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined as always. But <laughs> I, lost, I lost it, Kevin. The Jack Forrest to my Ash Williams. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm just waiting for my uh, rap intro to start. Yeah, <laughs> and our very own Elvis Presley. That's right. It's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric, Man, hit me one time. If I could be Bubba Hotep uh, or Bruce Campbell and Bubba Hotep, I think everything's going to be okay. Uh, what if? What, have you watched the new Elvis movie? Not yet. No, with the, that, with the plastic that, Elvis. No, and that scene though. That scene though, where he's like, "He's white." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, dude. It's just so stupid. It's so dumb. Uh, okay, so obviously things that mattered in like 1950, um, and and uh, shouldn't, but still do. Okay, uh, so <laughs> nailed it. Okay, uh, nail the landing. Ten, ten, ten points. Eight from the Russian judge, though. So Seahawks this week. I said, I said on the Discord, I said, if the Seahawks win, I'm gonna go on Twitter. I'm gonna find as much uh Denver Cope as I can find. And I'll read <laughs> I will read Denver Cope uh unlimited as much as I can. And here's the problem, guys. The coaching decision at the end of the game was so bad. That there isn't really any Denver cope. It's just people just slamming the coaching. Yes. Just just hammering Nathaniel Hackett. Just putting him to the to the task. Just telling them how horrible he is. And it's just wow. It is like so hard. I did find um one uh one cope, Benjamin Albright famous uh denver beach reporter he said more tomorrow but signing off with hats off to the seahawks and especially geno smith what a feel-good moment for him i don't think it's sustainable but this is one of those days you always remember that's cope baby that's some cope okay thanks ben thanks ben for the cope i like uh the part that stings the most is seattle probably won't win another game this year and we made geno smith look like a hall of famer i don't think they made for a half i guess but (laughs) Yeah, it, I mean, you have to figure when they had when they had Hall of Famers on their roster, it was usually at the end of their careers. So it's like a Denver Hall of yes, Famer. Yes, good call. It was, it was absolutely hilarious. That game was the height of comedy. I was just, I was just laughing so hard. Like it's just, it was just ridiculous. It was just nice it, to see that a, a Russell Wilson offense is a Russell Wilson offense, no matter where you put it. <laughs> yeah, he. Seriously, he can't throw, can't throw middle intermediate, can't throw middle deep. He just can't throw to the middle of the field at all. Uh, he just continued his his throw to the sides, throw it short. They really like the biggest difference between what they did and what we did last year was they threw a million screen passes. Um, not that those screen passes were bad or anything; they were fine. They they got the good good yardage. It was just an extension of the run game. Uh, I like stuff like that. I mean, it was a way for them to give Javante Williams touches, um, which was smart. That's what they should have been doing more of in this game. Um, thank goodness for Melvin Gordon, but, but, uh, yeah, let's, let's start with, let's start with a little, little review of, uh, of Seahawks Denver. So let's start at the beginning. Um, Eric Seahawks go up early We Gino goes straight down the field, scores a touchdown to, uh, Will to Disley. our boy, Will Disley. Yeah. Will. Earning that money. What is, what is your, what is your feeling? And also I haven't had a chance to watch all 22 yet. Is it out yet, Kevin? Uh, I, condensed game was I, out. I, last I checked all 22 con- wasn't. Yeah, condensed was out. I couldn't get all twenty-two, which is very disappointing. Uh, Luckily, there so were some I, good replay angles, at least for a few of the big plays. But yeah, yeah. so so 
man, how did you feel when we scored that first touchdown? Were you like, we're going to win this game? No, no, no. right on board. No, right because there? I everywhere uh, between my like football pool at work and the podcast, uh, the discord, I, I picked the Broncos. I, I really wanted to go into the no expectations only because I, I'm kind of until after this game, I think we're just going to lose a bunch of games and I need to be OK with that. I need to be OK that in order to get better, uh, like Dalton from Roadhouse, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I need to be okay with that. So I was like, wow, Gino, Gino did a really great job of one, Travis Homer slowing down the blitz by a third of a second, enough for Gino to sidestep and duck. That's a that's a big football move by two guys, um, mainly Gino Smith, stepping up and making that throw to Will Disley on the run. I don't think Russ makes that. Russ keeps that ball. Russ throws it past the line of scrimmage. And this isn't like a, oh, Gino's so much better than Russ. Just a, just honestly, a regular quarterback doing regular quarterback Russ, things. Russ did all the Russ stuff in this game. Yeah. Running from Phantom, running from a clean pocket, mm-hmm. uh, like spinning out of a clean pocket, just uh, completely panicking all the time. Stepping throwing, up under pressure. Th- throwing long passes when he should just take the, the freebies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, audibling not, into a run play on the goal line because he doesn't think he's going to be able to protect the stat line. Yeah, just just a lot of Russ things were in this game. And I think my favorite moment of the game, I'm going to skip to the end and we can fill in some of the middle, of course. But my favorite moment of the game is when Russ goes out and they have a minute left or whatever and, and three timeouts. It's fourth and four, fourth and five. They... The Russ goes out there and he tries to draw an offsides, <laughs> and then and then he calls it. And then Did he, he calls really try though, Nathan. No, not really. He calls a timeout, and when he left the field, and Nathaniel Hackett and him met on the sidelines, they looked overjoyed at the choice they had made at the situation. They were high five and they were cheering. They were so happy that they had decided to try to kick the second longest field goal in NFL history at night outside. What? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I just like it's not just that they made that decision, it's how pumped they seemed about the decision. It that almost is feels like, delusional, right? Like it was m- delusional. As much as we love Russ and got him right where we wanted him. <laughs> that's no, it's Kevin. I feel like that's that's where Russ's head is at sometimes. So as much as like I love Russell Wilson and I want to see him in the ring of honor and he will be there and like I really wish we could have won more Super Bowls. That's the thing about Russ. He fools himself with his positive mindset. Like he's like the anti Aaron Rodgers. Nothing's bad at all. Everything's going to be fine. His press conference. Oh man. Like that was, that was sad for me to watch because that was a guy who was so emotional. You could tell by the way he was swaying back and forth and he kept kind of like going off on little tangents, but I I know who I am like cool it Russ. Like, do you think he didn't anticipate the booze? I felt like he was surprised by the booze. I think he was a little know. surprised by the booze. It was it was super seven. direct. It was yeah. super direct. Like it wasn't like I think he expected to get booed some, but it was he was expecting like a like a mixture, like a mixed reaction. My and I had two friends one, there, and they said that it was booze and people watching the booze. So instead of cheering, it was yeah. like people who just didn't really want to have an opinion. Yeah, I was gonna say one. If it's even fifty fifty, booze are gonna be louder than cheers. Mm-hmm. It's just that's how it works. Booze are loud way louder than cheers so so when people are booing you hear it uh no matter what and it was mostly booze not was like i hope some people were saying cheering. woo 
<laughs> they were saying, let's ride. Dude, at the end of the game, he almost said, go Hawks. Like the, the, pro- the, the old programming almost took over. Did you notice that in the in his post-game press great. conference? I kind of wondered, yeah. He he swear I swear I think it was Hustle Chilson on Twitter said that he almost said go Hawks and I watched it like five times and I really think he was like this close to saying go Hawks and then he said uh, go oh, Broncos let's ride oh, let's ride like he just like he <laughs> what like about uh, what about Shelby Harris's sign off that was pretty amazing <laughs> that was great no the most amazing post game interview was from Geno Smith oh absolutely it was that was that was Geno's uh, oh you sorry. you missed the drop Eric you missed the drop here they wrote me off I ain't right back though. That is the coldest post game interview line in in a long time. That that's up there that's with Bart, Bart Scott. Scott. Yeah, anybody can be beat. Just just going. They wrote me off. I ain't right back though. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so good. I just I'm so proud of Gino. I know our boy. He deserved that just, night. He deserved all of it. Gino was ice cold out there. I mean, just the team went. Let's be honest. Uh, let's go offense first. Let's go offense first, guys. The offense was really good in the first half and really bad in the second half yep uh just really struggled to get anything going in the second half only touched the ball three times in the second half just um just just didn't have quite the the pop in the second half now they were starting to get a drive going and it got killed by that dk fumble and so maybe that because all they really needed was one second half drive yep right and the game the game's basically burnt bread it's toast it's over so maybe there's a chance that that you know the seahawks just uh if that drive gets completed, but you know, DK does this thing. He, he does it once every year so far where he, he wants those extra yards too much. <laughs> and and yeah. he is just going to battle for those extra two or three yards. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's good. You take, you take it. It's like DK when ca- four people are on you, like use your other hand to hold on to the ball, not to try and stiff arm the cornerback in front of you. <laughs> well, he made some catch. He made some catches in this game that were like, Oh wow, DK! He had such just an impressive get... game catch wise, but his stats. If you told me he had seven catches, I'd be like, "Whoa, two hundred yards? No, close, thirty six, thirty six, <laughs> with a yeah. long of fifteen, which yeah. means it was six <laughs> catches for twenty one. Well, he, well, don't forget, he did have that. that one play. He had that one catch that went for negative seven. That, <laughs> that, that really that hurts the. Uh, that hurts the average so that quite a five bit. Five catches for twenty-eight. <laughs> like oh that, gosh. they they were using DK on screens, which I think is an interesting wrinkle. Uh, something that we would never do with uh, with Russ. We, those screens would go to David Moore instead for some reason, because because um, Russ is trying to get him to the catch the catch barrier so he can get his bonus or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought the offense looked good. He really spread the ball around. Uh, guys that had two cat two or more catches: Parkinson, Disley, Lockett, Goodwin, Fant. Penny, Metcalf, like everybody was getting in on the act, except for D. Eskridge. So, so <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I have to get my shot in. D, I don't know. D just might, D just might not be it. And then the, the blocking. Okay. I thought they actually did a pretty good job. I know people want to talk about how, you know, Charles Cross got beat a couple times. Well, if Gino could slide up in the pocket, he would have only gotten beaten maybe once. Yeah, I was gonna say one was a really deep drop that that I think would be hard for most guys who are soloed up. And those are just going to happen sometimes. Um, I'm just going to say like one one sack in a in a true pass set is I'm, I'm OK with that. That's that's something I can you totally can live with live that with from a rookie from a rookie tackle. And on the other side, Lucas was great. So, yeah, the rookie tackles held up. They held up good enough. 
um, definitely gave the team a chance to win. I'm very proud of this offensive line. And like, you know, you saw even without Damian Lewis, a guy who on the inside we want, we would say would be like one of our rocks. Uh, Phil Haynes stepped in and performed admirably. So I'm, I'm very happy with the, the overall um, just kind of offense, tempo, offensive line, everything. Just, just pleasing. I really wish the run game could have got going. Uh, Eric, what, what, what happened in the run game? Why couldn't we get uh, like P- Penny really going? Why did we only give him twelve carries if he had sixty yards? That's why I, th- I think we couldn't get it going is because it felt to me like the run didn't have a plan. Like we started with Gino, then we went to run, and then it just kind of turned into Gino. And I don't know, it had to be by design. But if you notice, like, like Penny, like had breakout runs, but we never rode him. And at the end, we didn't really have the offensive going. Like in the second half, our offense is you know pretty ice cold. So I, I think at that time, that was when we wanted to chew the clock. Um, didn't get enough clock chewing. Didn't get enough ground chuck. Yeah, yeah, I just it was weird. It was weird that the the run game never really felt like it was a. It didn't feel like a priority. You no, know, it yeah. felt it felt like it felt like the short pass game was the priority. Like those quick hitters that we wanted. Which Pete um, Carroll is a is an angry man and he's a jealous man, and I think that that is, I'm I'm but, serious. Look at him. He was pretty petty about which, things before in comments. I bet you anything he was like, no, nah, we'll run it next week. Between the numbers, zero to twenty yards. Geno Smith went eight for eight and 16, 69 yards. Nice. nice. Um, uh, yeah, really, really good uh, over the middle of the field. They, those quick hitters were working. Yeah, 11 and, um, for 11 for 100 yards up the middle. That was really good. Geno Smith went 8 for 8, 60 yards in a touchdown when he was blitzed in this game. He was blitzed on nine dropbacks. That's just, I mean, he rules. Gino, Gino had an awesome game. You cannot slice it any other way. You can say like, oh, well, the screens weren't great. You know, there's three screens for negative five yards. The screen game was was not working super good. That was that, you know, D, including the DK negative seven. And then you could say, oh, well, you know, the play actions, the play action passing was not there yet. And I agree. The play action passing was not there yet. It is a layer to this that I think needs to get shaken out over time. Like I want to see them come out in the in a second half or come out on certain plays and really kill another team with play action because Gino can make those throws. We saw him make two deep throws in this game that were really nice. And so Gino can make those throws. Yeah, that, that seam throw, pass that, to Parkinson was a good pass. Yeah, yeah twenty five yard, twenty five yards and up the, over the seam of the middle. Um, the one to the outside left that was like what that was like sixteen yards downfield to for the for the first touchdown. Yeah, and like to thirty eight yards across the field. <laughs> yeah, I mean th- those are good. Those are good NFL did long longer throws. And so yeah, I want to see us really developing that longer pass game, getting the uh, getting the play act, get the play action game going a little bit. All yeah, right. the five um, yard a dot I think is my biggest concern coming out of this. Um, I wanted to see a couple more kind of field pushing throws. Uh, I think one of the big things is in the first half eight, they weren't focused. eight throws behind the eight throws behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, uh, twenty eight. Yeah, that's a few. That's a few too many. I would like to see it get pushed a little more. But I think it was a result of uh, Penny only had twelve carries because the Denver Broncos were loading up the box and basically daring Seattle to run. They assumed that the game plan was going to be to run, 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 protect Gino. And Gino sliced and diced him the first half. In the second half, Penny had a couple of like longer runs and first down runs that got called back by penalties. And so I think that affected what the run game overall looks like. But uh, a couple things that were really promising to me. I love the play calling. The offensive play calling was really, really good. 
Uh, That's a tight uh, end, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Or flood concepts to the left or right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like that touchdown to Parkinson. uh, They ran Lockett on a clear-out concept and then ran Parkinson up the seam. So if the -the over-the-top defender takes Parkinson, then you have Lockett running free in the middle of the field. If the over-top defender collapses on Lockett, then you have a tight end trying to chase down Parkinson, which his skill set is I'm tall and run above average for a tight end. And so it was like plays like that, I think, are really nice, really promising. And there were a number of those. I like the design run for the first down that Gino had on the sprint right option. Yes, those is, those designs, you know, runs, they were hitting. I liked I liked them. They were really cool. Yeah, I think there's a it's, lot of it, things it, to feel good about. It shows faith in the tackles because, mm-hmm. you know, they really because if you're going to run a sprint, a sprint run like that to the outside and what Gino had three design runs or two, three, he had three design runs. So, yeah, if you're going to run those plays like you have your tackles need to do a good job. Yeah, because they can be negative yards real quick. Yes, because if they don't, then yes, those plays are busted from the from get from jump. So, all right, defense, defense. Kevin, I know there's a guy that was a star of the game that you love. Played 59 snaps, five pressures, one sack, one hit, three hurries. Go ahead, Chenna Nuosu. Chenna Nuosu is a guy who I really wanted us to draft out of USC, and picking him up now is kind of cool because we got him after he developed a little bit. He, so I was really excited to see what Nuosu and Daryl Taylor look like, and there's. One huge difference between Nuosu and Daryl Taylor, and that is when they ran at Nuosu, Nuosu stopped the run. And he's like the exact piece we need for the defensive scheme that we're doing. He's super active. He was um, capable of handling the type of coverage we want from that position group. He got tons of pressure. Like he had the five pressures. The one sack was that one where he chased him down on the sideline where like a uh, Russ did the boot left, spinning out of a clean pocket, and uh, like Alwoods just basically wouldn't let him run straight forward. And all of a sudden, you saw Nuosu streaking in from the sideline and closing out the play. Having a guy who has that kind of burst is a difference maker on our defensive front. Like, we haven't had people that can kind of close the deal on a sack. Nuosu can close the deal on a sack. And if Daryl Taylor can pick up his run play, they do look like a really solid coupling as our uh, outside pass rushers. Yeah, I I, I love Chen Owosu was great. I actually thought um, Boy Mafe in the limited snaps he got looked pretty solid. Respectable. He was, disru- he was disruptive, uh, more disruptive than I expected. I could see him stealing, uh, stealing snaps from from uh, Taylor especially. He was I- stouter against the run. Here's the thing about Taylor that I'm, I'm noticing is that he's really good at the pass rushing part of his job. And the other parts is leaving um, quite a bit to be desired. And the problem is like switching to a three, four makes that problem worse, not better. Like it's now we're asking, we need him to do those other things more than we did before. And I'm not sure if like, I think this, he might get lost in the scheme switch shuffle. Like he might be the, the casualty to switching from a four three to a three four. The one thing uh, I will where, say mm, is I noticed he played, that... a, he played a lot of snaps in this game. He rushed the passer thirty five times and he got three pressures and like he got killed in coverage a couple times, uh, which is rough. One thing I noticed was that uh, obviously it can't happen anymore, but um, 
I they were running straight at him when you had a set where Jamal Adams was basically playing linebacker. They would run it at Daryl Taylor. And having Daryl Taylor on the edge with uh, Jamal Adams kind of behind him is a super light box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if as the season goes on, especially without that really being an option, if things start looking a little bit better. But I agree, Taylor's Taylor's run play really has to get better. He just he just has to improve. It's not like it's impossible. He's a good athlete. He he has the ability to improve and he is very good at rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. Like the thing is, I just think over time it might switch where we see Mafe on the earlier downs because he's um, more versatile, more complete. And we start to see Taylor just kind of hone in as like this guy's on the field when we want to kill the quarterback. You know, like yeah. this, this guy comes out. He's the closer. He's the cliff. Averill. He's he's out here to do it to to do a thing. Clemens to, to just the Chris Clemens. Exactly. He's out here to do a job. He's out here to to, to kill the passer. Um. Okay. We you said mentioned Jamal Adams, Eric. Uh. This is the this is the saddest quad injury of all time. The the, the funniest being when uh Vince McMahon blew out both quads. <laughs> I don't know you try, were gonna say that. Try, trying to, the funniest quad injury is Vincent Mann coming oh, out after Royal Rumble. Man. John Cena and Batista tied. He's very angry. He comes out. He blows both his quads trying to get in the ring, and then he has to just sit on the ground. Yes, he can't. He got to roll himself. Berating two professional athletes buckle. half his age while he sits on the ground like a petulant child. It's so good. Yeah, it's, if it's anything so was more so, than Vince McMahon. So this is an unfunny quad injury. Uh, Jamal Adams uh, blow, blows his quad out. Um, so this guy missed two games in his entire three years with the Jets. Since he has come to us, he has been Mr. Glass. Yes. What? What's uh? What's going on? What, what are we? Is Jamal Adams just cursed on the Seahawks? What's I, what happened here? I I don't know. I feel you guys were really into the Jamal Adams move when it was barely a rumor. Like credit to this podcast and you two individuals. Uh, he was good for 15 plays this game, right? It's, here's he looked. He had a pass breakup. He looked nice. He had some good blitzing. It was. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he got it. He had a hit. He had a, he, he nailed Russ on that one play. Yeah, it would have. It, it looked uh, very promising. So you guys really wanted Jamal Adams, and it's not like I didn't want him. I just, man, I hate this trade. This trade is aging yeah, so two, terribly. Two first was too much. It was too much at the time. It was too yep. much at the time, it, and it was. The only way it was justifiable is if we were really good both seasons, right? Yeah. If we're really good both seasons and you're giving up 28 and 26. He was treated like. Who cares? He was like the expected cure-all for the Legion of Boom that had, you know, disappeared. Right. And he, Legion of Boom 2.0. That's not fair. He's not that type of, type of player. He's he's versatile. He's like a Swiss Army knife on the defense. And I don't even Agreed. think he's all that great in coverage, at least not our scheme. And I don't know, man. I think the new. It seemed like the new scheme was favoring him, though, right? Yeah, that nice pass breakup. He's making plays. Yeah. He's moving all. That's he's what moving makes all it over so sad fo- because I hate this trade, and now I feel like it's just he, the papers been he was, ripped up. Yep, he was moving all over the formation. Like it was like, okay, we're finally getting to see it. Like Jamal Adams, the Swiss Army knife. The feels the like weapon. we were gonna drop him and, back in game and, eight, and it was gonna work. You know, like we really? knew where to put him. Really, what we what we wanted was. The, the, the thing is, is Jamal Adams, when he's moving around the formation like that, he's tilting the, the field, right? And that's what we want. We need a guy who tilts the field. We need a guy who the the offense feels like they have to account for. And when Jamal was doing what his thing yesterday, you know, he played he played a total of 15 snaps. He played five in the box. He played nine at, at deep safety. He played one in the slot. You can tell they were they were doing a thing, right? We are going to move this guy. 
all over the formation and make it hard. I'm, I'm guessing he would have had some defensive line snaps. He might have had an outside corner snap or two, like on a tight end or something, if uh, they came out in one of those weird formations. They were definitely trying a thing with uh, with Jamal. And then the unfortunate injury, it's like it's like we get to see a glimpse, just a glimpse of what could have been. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's over. It's, it sounds like he's out for the season. Yeah. Uh, there's not Pete, a lot. That, that doesn't seem to be a lot of optimism. Pete said it's a serious injury, and I don't think he's coming back this year. And that's it's sad because I want to like him, and I know he really wants to be here. Uh, yeah. End of story there. Yeah. Tough. Just tough. Um, all right. Let's talk about some uh, some happy secondary players, though. Uh, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen uh, allowed no catches on three targets. He had one really bad pass interference. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, he's was young really lad. solid. And he's young. Yeah. And th- that play was that was a veteran play by Russ, by the wide receiver. Everyone involved. Yeah, Sutton they, did they, a good job of like setting him up. They they set him up, man. He he was like he ran a he ran like a go. Russ throws it short. Sutton just turns around and jumps right into him. They they knew exactly what they were doing. That was like the hey, second Rook, one was more egregious when he got beat by Hamler off the line and grabbed him. Yeah, that one was he just grabbed the shoulder. I thought it was pretty light. I thought the other one was worse. Yeah, but... he should just know better than that because he can. He's he's fast enough. He can catch back up to Hamler. He just like grabbed a guide hand and he needs to know that he can't do that in the NFL. Okay. In the first half, there was a player who was having kind of a nightmare. Cody Barton. He was just having a rough go of it in the first half. He was he was allowing a lot of run a lot of the run plays. It were, he didn't seem like he was fitting super good. And I was like, man, Eric's boy, he needs to get it together. But in the, the second half. The artist formerly known as Eric's boy. The but in the second half, he made some plays, man. That screen pass at the end of the game. Totally redeemed uh, himself. I mean, that just that play was worth it there but i mean he made he had ended up with five run stops uh he was he he totally he ended up with a, a really good sack i think barton was a real mixed bag in this game and i don't know what that means for him in the future he's an effective because, pass rusher i feel like that's what he's been the best at like i agree, consistently Kevin. so that's it consistently he can rush the passer maybe move him into the jamal blitz role uh looking at cody barton when he was my boy and what i liked about him and what he did this game it's classic Cody Barton. He, whereas Jamal Adams tilts the field, Cody Barton just kind of runs all over. And when he finds the ball or the ball happens to be where he wants to be, it's music. But most of oh the God, time, is he Brian Russell? Kinda, he might be Kevin. He might be. Oh no. But like maybe a lower level because look at it. Look at his film. So I watched some, I watched some uh, Cody Barton highlights uh, in the preseason uh, over his career. And that's basically what he does. He's out of the play. And it's not like, oh, he was just too late or he came in the wrong side. He's out of the play. He's going around where he shouldn't. He doesn't have anticipatory like reflexes on the ball. Um, I would like to put him in a honed focus role so he can just go after a quarterback as opposed to chasing a ball. So, like, yeah, he made some good stops because he can tackle, but he's too wild. He flies around everywhere. Yeah. I, I think like Bart, you're right. Bart, Bart needs just to play a more disciplined brand of football and, you know, like learn how to dial it up when he needs it, but not play like that. But I don't know if uh, he can. I mean, he's like a, what, fourth year player? Yeah, this uh, is, I kind of think at this point he is who he, he is, is. is. who he is, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it, he is, a, he has a really solid backup, a great set, special teams player, but probably not a guy we want to be relying on on a week to week basis to play uh, inside linebacker. But you know what? 
Um, he's what we have. So, so I was go, like, good thing we have, Cody a lot of, we have a lot of linebacker depth that we can yeah. definitely do something we, about this. We're definitely signing a linebacker this week. There's, <laughs> yeah. there is no effing way that like, because I think their plan was to use like Jamal close to the line and, and, and do stuff like that, that have that be their kind of rotation linebacker. And I don't know if we have, uh, now that we don't have him, I, I would suspect we're going to replace him on the roster with someone who can, who could play in the, in the middle of the field. I know they haven't done it yet and maybe they're going to wait for Ty Smith to be ready to come off IR. Cause I know that they were trying to try to play him inside and outside. Uh, that's, that's a possibility as well, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult. It's a difficult situation for the Seahawks. The Jamal Adams IR, uh, IR thing is, is tough. It's super tough. Who did we call up for right now for now? Isaiah Dunn, I think cornerback, right? Uh, I missed that news. That's the that's the new player I think for now. Um, no, that was a guy we got off waivers a couple weeks ago with Daryl Johnson, right? Yeah, I, we, so I don't I, know if we've made a corresponding move because I don't think they've made an official move with uh, with, with Adams with Jamal yet. yet. Yeah, so we'll see what we'll see what they decide to do. Practice squad options. Uh, looking at those, you know, I could see Vi Jones being a guy that that, that comes off the the practice squad. I could see Doncor maybe. See Doncor Tanner Muse. Tanner Muse might be an option. I feel like Muse and Vi Jones are the ones that in the preseason showed they can handle linebacker responsibilities the best. Um, neither one's a super pretty option, but Muse, I can see them Muse, both growing. Muse is like the busted Jamal Adams, <laughs> like like the, the absolute worst version of Jamal Yikes. Adams. Because <laughs> because Tanner Muse in college, you know, he's a good athlete. He played safety. He's got linebacker size. He's pretty fast. Like I don't. He is like the the broke, broke Jamal Adams. So maybe maybe that's where we go. Um, we get we get the Jamal Adams. Yeah, we have Jamal Adams at home. Oh no. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other standouts on the defense for you guys? I thought that uh, the rest of the defense was was solid. It, it wasn't the spectacular player was Numosu. I thought our down lineman did a good job of getting pressures. Like Quentin Jefferson got five. Um, he benefited the most, but Puna got a pressure. Uh, Harris got a pressure. Woods got a pressure. And consistently, they did a good job of making it so that Russ couldn't just like move up and slide forward in the pocket and pick up some yards. I was pretty surprised by the snap counts of those guys. Uh, Jefferson getting 39, Ford getting 31, Harris getting 45, Woods getting 21. I mean, I did think Harris was the best. But like Monet only played nine snaps. It makes me feel like we're not going to use a true nose very often, um, which is an interesting way to go about playing this particular defense. I think the I think that's what we did against Denver. Um, I I will look at our stats against San Francisco, a team we know is going to run the ball to figure out like yeah. kind of what the true splits are. This could be an outlier week. Yeah, Monet. I really thought like Monet was going to get like 30 snaps right in the center. So, so that, that was kind of, that was kind of tricky. I would expect tricky. that next week. And if it doesn't happen, then I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. So just, just a, a tricky, tricky, tricky situation along the line. But you know what? This cool is that we, all those guys are good players. So we, we have, um, we have that, that opportunity. All yeah, right. Deep uh, Kevin, third, third. Oh, here comes, here comes the little one. <laughs> oh, do you guys hear that? She's got water. All right. Uh, I'm going to step away for a second. You guys talk about the third phase. <laughs> so. Obviously, she's referring to the uh, 49ers game against uh, Chicago because they also <laughs> had the water. Uh, so the first punt didn't come until what the fourth quarter? 
yeah, like Michael Dixon was not a thing. When he came out, I was like, hey, is this the first time we've seen Michael Dixon? I had to look it up and it was, yeah. Yeah, and then it turns out when he did, he basically flipped the field on it, which set up the uh, failed final drive for um, Denver. So it was nice to have that working. It's an even year, which means, according to the Farmer's Almanac, uh, Autumn Myers is in bloom. Jason Myers, good. Yeah, yeah. Jason Myers, good. I'm back, this guys. Is, this is the year we're going to need him. <laughs> we already uh, talked two, about two, Dixon and Myers, so you're good. Two, we also talked about points, all the rain but... in San Francisco. So, <laughs> Yeah, Dixon, Dixon was great. I mean, it wasn't in San Francisco. It was in Chicago. Yeah, in What game. a weird game. Let's preview Let's preview that game a little bit. So I went back and watched it. I watched the, the condensed game film for this game. First, in the pregame, they showed like a pregame clip in the in the film. And it's like it's like there's like a lady. It looks like a slip and slide on the field. And she's she's standing on the field and she's like putting her feet up and down. And it's like her foot is just like sinking in. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, like this is crazy. Like, it's bad. It's really bad. And it didn't rain as much during the game. But in the whole pregame, it was raining. And like there's a clip. There's a pretty funny clip of like Trey Lance trying to throw like his warm-up passes and the ball just slipping right out of his hands and stuff. Did you see that with the, uh, uh, with the, when they got a penalty for the uh, holder wiping down the spot, the ball was going to go in. Yeah. Cause, cause, <laughs> cause I'm telling you, dude, if he would have set the ball just down on the ground, it probably would have sunk like four inches in. Like it was, <laughs> it was nuts. And so I, I, uh, I would say withhold judgment, positive and negative towards, towards Trey Lance. Uh, we don't that game should not tell you anything positive or negative. Don't 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 get me wrong. Like I'm this is not a pro Trey Lance take or an anti Trey Lance take. This is just like a Trey Lance should not be judged in any way based on the contents of that game. Um, he had some throws that were really ugly. He had some throws that were really good. Um, here's the thing that I noticed that could apply to this game. His feet were all over the place. Okay. His feet did not have, did not look, they were just like moving, 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 right? His feet were just consistently uh, moving. And that could be because it was slippery. That could be, but that's how we, that's how you get him to throw bad. Okay. Is you get his feet, you get his base messed up. So we need to rush the passer successfully in this game. That's, that's like my key to the game is if we can get his feet really looking questionable and the stats bear that out. He was pressured 13 times in this game. He went one for eight when pressured for negative two yards. Yeah. And the big thing um, is getting that pressure without blitzing because Shanahan's good enough that he will have Lance on a hot read. So if you yeah, have to they, blitz, he'll just throw to the vacated spot. But if they we blitzed, get pressure with our regular line, that's going to be really difficult for them to deal with. They only blitzed once in this game. So it is really hard to tell. There's no sample there. For and on that one blitz, Trey Lance completed the pass for a first down. Oh, that tells us hmm. it tells us not. It so tells he's us perfect. Nothing. That's why I'm very mean. careful. Yeah. Uh, okay. It was. It was, yes. I guess because he <laughs> he really only completed thirteen passes. So I mean that was like that was like ten uh, percent of his output. Was he also just did this something very San Francisco quarterback post Steve Young, and that was um, just taking that first read and staring at the first read. And being like, oh, crap, I got to throw the ball. Better make it to my first read. Uh, good to know that the San Francisco 49ers are, you know, basically what they're what they've always been. It's nice. Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing, too, is, is the most threatening runner that the 49ers have is Debo Samuel. Uh, they they Jeff Wilson. I think Elijah Jr. Mitchell's like legitimately solid. Elijah Mitchell is out. Oh. Maybe for the season. Yes. So, so you can you can think uh, Elijah Mitchell is awesome, but he's out at least two months with a sprained MCL. 
Um, he's already on the IR or he's heading to the IR. They said, um, Elijah Mitchell rest in peace. They signed Marlon Mack to the practice squad, <laughs> but to backfill the spot, I don't think they'll use him. If you had to ask me who I think like the most exciting 49ers runner is, if you were like playing fantasy football, I would say, you know what, go ahead and grab this third string guy. Uh, what's, what's his name? The hyphenated uh, guy that they drafted this year in the no, third round? Jordan Mason. Oh, go ahead and, go ahead and grab Jordan Mason, uh, from Georgia tech because, that's probably going to be the guy because it's definitely not Tyrion Davis price. That guy's just a bruiser. And like, if there's one thing I've learned watching Shanahan coach for these last few years, it's that he does not give an F if you, if you can, <laughs> if you can, uh, if you can be a bruiser and just like control. He, no, he loves, wants a scat back. He loves fast guys. He loves fast guys. And this guy's 40. Mason isn't even fast, but I watched some of his college tape. He looks fast on tape. So how long until they trade for uh, Mostert back from Miami? He had like a nice like 71 yard rush against Miami. That was like, okay, yeah, I get why. I get why he ended up <laughs> on San Francisco. So that's the guy I'm looking for. They're actually, the guy they'll probably most dangerously use at running back is is um Debo. Debo in the backfield went way up. Uh, Debo ended up with eight carries for 52 yards, most of them coming kind of after the Mitchell injury. Uh, He had a touchdown and a fumble. Debo had a fumble and Trey Lance had a fumble. They they had trouble holding on to the ball. Trey Lance had a pick too. Yeah. That was not having trouble holding on to the ball. That was like a very rookie mistake. And his feet were all over the place, man. Just watch his feet. When when he's throwing, like when he, he needs to drive the ball, like he needs to really like, when he when they're watching the tape, they need to be like, "Hey, look, these throws are good, and they're good because your feet are where they're supposed to be, and you're really driving the ball on the throw. These throws are bad. Look at your feet; they're all over the effing place. We'll get him off his spot. That's how the Seahawks win this game. That's how the Seahawks get after him is they get him off his spot, make his life difficult. They're they're like they did with line, Russ, chasing him to the left. Their offensive True. line is pretty pretty good. Um, so I, I think we might ha- we might struggle. We'll see what happens. I mean, Trent, Trent Williams is good. I think Aaron Banks is solid. McGlinchey is solid. So that, that we'll see how we do. This is a good test. This is a good test to see where we're really at. This week was like it was like Super Bowl environment, right? We're we're so excited to be playing against Russ. It's Monday night. We always overperform in prime time. In the green, I, there was unfortunately there was. There was a lot of yeah in the 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 lovely lovely highlighter green. It was a lot. He refuses to answer why, but for some reason, a lot of players were excited about this game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we played with a lot of emotion this week. Obviously, will be more will be more difficult. So are we going to do our Seahawks path to victory segment? I think I think so. Did you, Ken? What did you did you did you watch any of the Chicago San Francisco game other than like the highlights? I watched the uh, extended highlights, like the twenty minute version. That gives okay. you like a like a good portion of the game. Um, it's really hard to tell what they are based on this game. Would you agree with that? Like, uh, I was just like, so there's a I few things just... I think are like uh, obvious sure. takeaways. Um, Trey Lance is good enough to take advantage of busted coverage. Like he's mm-hmm. going to notice a receiver that's wide open, so our coverage has to be reasonable. Uh, he also is a threat with his legs, so we have to play disciplined on contain, and he's still mm-hmm. going to gash up gash us a couple of times. Um, their pass rush is legitimately terrifying in obvious passing situations, but otherwise not that bad. I I do feel like it. Fred Warner was a little bit neutralized by the field conditions too. Like he was having trouble getting 
to spots that I think he normally gets to. He's a bit of an aircraft carrier out there. He's a big dude having to change direction in that weather. Yeah, it's like it's like, hey, man, this guy's like six, three, two fifty. Right. And he's like he's running around, but he didn't have like the elite movement like we kind of expect Fred Warner to have generally. And, you know, I'm guessing it's because of the field conditions, but it could be also, you know, maybe he's just not. The, the, the goat anymore i don't know i think He's the 49ers very, very defensive backfield is like for some reason the 49ers get a pass every year on their defensive backfield not being that good and people try and talk themselves into like this year's uh what Traverius ward being like a number one corner and yeah, they're corner but their when he was the number one corner on Kansas suspect. City, they, they were talking about how that was a big problem. And so now that he's on San Francisco, suddenly it's not a big problem. It's like it's the same dude. They're, they're safe. Their box safety guy, uh, Talanoga Hufanga, played like really good in this game. And it, once again, I would not read too deep into it because of field conditions. But like I was I was relatively impressed with this this box safety they had. Um, he, I had never heard of him. Um, he, he got a injured fifth... a ton in college okay. and couldn't stay healthy. And as a result, um, his like draft stock fell because it was like a pure speculative pick. Mm-hmm. It does. It, yeah. They got him in the fifth round of last year's draft. I looked that up. So that guy, that guy had six run stops. He was just, and he was he a pick pretty too, good in the past game. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. 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 He, he, he played out of his mind. Yeah. He had a really great, he had a really great game. And like the, I, they used him really flexibly. Like they used him 30 in the box, 21 and free. Like they, they moved him around a little bit and I liked, I liked what I saw from him. That's a guy I'm, I'm watching out for in this game as a guy that um, could hurt, could hurt us, could hurt us a little bit. All right. My Seahawks path to a win. Uh, the passing plan allows for like catch and run on a lot of quick pass plays and the running backs managed to tear off a few like 10 to 15 plus yard runs. So some longer runs. So that's where a lot of the offense comes from um, on defense. We're able to get pressure without blitzing, and it forces Lance to commit a couple of turnovers. I think that's basically what has to happen for a, a Seahawks win. I think that that for the Seahawks to win this game, we got to get the for on on when we're on offense, we got to get the safeties down into the box so that Geno can get single coverage on the outside um, for a couple for a couple Valid. big plays. Gotta get gotta make them respect the run game enough to get those safeties creeping down, um, and then. When both those safeties are creeping down, yeah, hit hit DK over the top um, in single coverage because the corners are definitely their weakness. Uh, their corners are are where you can hurt them, and if we can, you know, get those plays where you th- you throw the ball pretty soon after the line of scrimmage, kind of moon it up there. Gino can make those throws twenty five yards down the down the sideline and hit DK in stride, and that's that's the kind of plays I want to see us uh, making when when we're on offense and the seat and the four are on defense. On the other side, get get Trey Lance off his spot. When his when he is rattled, when it's hard for him, his feet are all over the place, and he stops making good throws. That's how you got to defeat him there. the The running back depth chart is a little depleted. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is the ultimate just a guy. Like he is just a dude. There's nothing. Jeff Wilson never. I never watch him and go, "Whoa, Jeff Wilson!" No one else could have made that play. That's just he is just a dude. Their running game is hampered now that Elijah Mitchell's on IR, and they unless Jordan Mason is much better than, than I expect this should, we should be able to, uh, to bottle up the run game a little bit. Let's hope Kittle's hurt because that is a area we even saw in this game where the Seahawks can be hurt. If Kittle's hurt, I think we got a good chance to win. So yeah, let's, uh, we can get after it in this game. Eric, uh, you want to do your pick first 
uh, get us get us going on picks. Yeah, I like that. I'm I really wanted to be Randy. Oh, geez, Randy Orton. That's not his name. Randy Quaid in Major League Two all season, and just bitch about the Seahawks and how we weren't going to be any good. But this They'll Denver blow game, it in the playoffs. Ah, you know what? Playoffs would be a thing, wouldn't it? Uh, I'm just excited for this team. I don't think we're unstoppable, but I do think we will beat bad teams, which I was kind of questioning a week ago. Guys, you know how I feel about the 49ers. I just don't see a lot in them, especially now that they have a banged up running game. And Trey Lance, yeah, you said don't take a lot from it. I will. I didn't see a lot from Trey Lance in the preseason. I don't see a lot from him now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Seahawks, and I've got them winning. Oof, let's make this 24 to 16. I like it. Um, I'm right there with you, Eric. I think San Francisco probably squeaks out a close one. They lost the first week. They put a lot on tape that they're going to need to to go fix. They they feel like they're gonna they're gonna fix. Seahawks are a team that other teams are. Gonna, we lost our best defensive player too. I don't think that you can un, un, overrate that. That losing Jamal is going to have an impact on what we want to do on defense. Uh, so yeah, I think San Francisco wins a close one. I don't think it's very high scoring. Once again. Uh, these teams are not super far apart. I'm going to go 28. No, no, sorry, Derek, not 28. 18 to 21 uh, Seahawks lose. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so I have a very similar output on uh, outlook on this one. I think that our defense is going to be able to bottle them up for the most part. Um, but unless, like, Samuel's able to break off a couple of really big runs or, like, Lance is able to break off a couple of really big runs, I could see that's where their explosive plays come from. But I think it's more likely this is, like, an ugly defensive game. And so I have... But I think their pass rush is just going to get to Geno too much. So I have 17-13 49ers. Yeah, I'm just seeing Bosa, like, really picking on our young tackles. That's that's kind of where I'm And Geno not able to navigate the pocket well enough to help them out. But... Hey, I don't think this is not a winnable game. This is a very winnable game. If the Seahawks went out and won, got to 2-0, and I would not be stocked, shocked, and I think it would be really, really fun. Uh, all right, be like Morgan B. Morgan B is our newest Patreon. Uh, for as little as $1.24 a month, join the, join the Discord, get access to the uh, Patreon podcast. Uh, let's get these uh, Patreons thanked. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, Greta, James, Joe, Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C., Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, David, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Werewolf, Brandon, Nick. Hey, you want to hear something f- uh, funny? I think Rad Dad Nikki C. I think his picture on the Patreon is a picture of Gary Busey, <laughs> 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 which makes me laugh. So, okay, uh, movie club today. Movie club today um, is Army of Darkness. Oh, wait, I fr- sorry, I have to tell you how we got here. So Clerks 3 comes out this week. I was like, okay, let's do Clerks. No, we did Clerks with Brett. The we we went over the the great joke, 37 in a row. That's that's the best joke in the movie. Then then uh the so let's we did Clerks. Not the second he takes on the way to the park. <laughs> I mean it's the same that, that's like the same joke, right? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh so so then we then we uh we were I was like, what about movies that are just kind of set in retail? So I just kind of started listing off uh, movies that are set in retail. Uh, some funny, some not. But I was we ended up on Army of Darkness because in Army of Darkness you can shop smart, shop S smart, S smart. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, Army of Darkness. Uh, in Army of Darkness, it is the third movie in the Evil Dead trilogy. I don't know what what is it? Quadrology? Is there more than of these? It's the third installment it's a trilogy. in the franchise. Yeah, I would say it's uh, a trilogy. There are there are five Evil Dead movies now, right? And then the short film, the Within the Woods movie, the short film that they made. I don't know. I don't know how, and I don't know how the Raimi brothers uh, can like consider this. Uh, you know what I mean? Like is is Evil Dead 2013 the Fidel Alvarez one? It here's the thing about the 2013 Evil Dead. It's not a bad movie. It's just not Evil Dead. There's nothing goofy about it. It's very very exactly. Dark. Evil Dead is just campy, and Fidel Alvarez is a good horror director. So like the movie kind of slaps, but it says Evil Dead on the cover. Well, so and the first a- Evil Dead was a more straight horror movie. They got progressively more like quirky, funny, whereas uh, until you got to Army of Darkness, which is legitimately a horror comedy. I mean, you're saying it's a straight horror movie, but like there is a lot of there is a significant amount of com- you can't help it. Like that's what Bruce Campbell yeah. is. It's just campy and, and fun. Evil Dead 2013 is like a straight horror movie. So, but they, apparently they do count it as part of the series and they're making another one. Evil Dead Rise 2013. Uh, so be on the lookout, I guess. Uh, come, let's go back to the movie. We're, let's go back to the movie here. Army of Darkness. I would say that until the Matrix came out, this was my dad's favorite movie. Uh, my dad loved. But it's not better Army than the Matrix. But it's not better than the Matrix. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to go over my favorite scene, and then I'll let you guys go nuts. Okay. So um, he he goes to he goes and he finds the Necronomicon. There's three books and he has to determine which one is real. <laughs> and then he realizes that he has forgotten the, the, the passcode that will allow him to remove the book. Uh, he's supposed to say Klaatu Barada Nikto, yep. but he can't remember the last word. So, so he's like Klaatu Barada <laughs> and he like and he's he like i know it starts it with like a N. middle schooler trying to like bluff his way through a president's name from the late 1800s uh, yep. <laughs> yeah and so so then and then uh of course it doesn't work you can't cough your way through 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 breaking a curse he grabs the book he runs away wait, wait you're but, forgetting uh, the best part he goes there i said it said the words he says this out loud to the empty audience <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. It is such like a. It is the. It is one of my favorite like straight scenes in any movie. The other thing I like about this movie, it's like eighty minutes long. No, not one wasted minute. Uh, in the in the dang thing, it is just it just goes and it hits and then it's gone. Uh, it is perfect in terms of length. Length. So, all right, what do you what do you guys? Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Why not? I'll, I'll hit it. some quick hits because I just got some of my favorite lines. Uh, I get it. First you want to kill me, then you want to kiss me. Blow. Such <laughs> such a uh, real ugly. <laughs> an unappreciative hero, uh, not humble in any way. Uh, the fact that <laughs> Bruce Campbell pulls a a double role in this movie. Don't forget. Oh yeah, he's evil Ash. Yeah. Yep. So this this movie goes from you know the the I, I will suck your soul demon witch to um, little little people like little evil elf demons to a uh an evil version of him without a face uh to an army of the dead this movie has it all uh including a car falling from the sky uh he has to remake his hand he makes a, a shotgun uh in, in medieval times this this movie has the it all, chainsaw guys. hand the iconic chainsaw hand yeah it's it's just uh 
I mean, Kevin, you're going to go go over probably some trivia and some of your favorite parts, but um, also to to end the movie about how it ends, where he's talking to, I believe that's uh, Sam Raimi's brother, but he's just like, if I'd have stayed there, I'd have been king. Yeah, Ted Ted Raimi. Yeah, Ted Raimi. Yeah, <laughs> just just great yeah. all around. And then of course, you know, uh, evil hits the S mart. Uh, just yeah he's talking he's talking to 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 that to to a lady and then uh she's like listening to his story and then yeah the modern surviving deadite because he because he forgot those words yep (laughs) comes and starts attacking (laughs) he kills it hail to the king baby uh it's such it's a great it's a great campy finish it's like the perfect ending to the to the movie and you know that that is not the original ending yeah so okay so the films are i i have this written down says, for the film's original ending using a passage from the Necronomicon, the wise man tells Ash to swallow six drops of the potion to return to the present. Unfortunately, due to a distraction by falling rocks, Ash miscalculates the amount of potion needed able to correctly return to his own time, swallowing seven instead of six. He wakes up in a post-apocalyptic future where human civilization is destroyed, destroyed, and he screams in dismay at having overslept. Yeah, the if you haven't seen it, the ending, he goes, Oh, I slept too long! Which is just kind of a perfect <laughs> uh yeah so um just a delightful movie in so many ways there's so many again like nathan said this is an 81 minute movie and there are so many jokes in this movie um but when he trains the guys who uh the peasants to defend themselves they have the ha ho hiya with the uh staffs in the courtyard so then when the uh, evil army comes in, they basically just start walking straight towards them, hitting them with sticks. Um, another another really solid move. Uh, there's, yeah, just so many good one-liners. Um, the, everyone knows about the boomstick line, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, there's just... There's well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Yeah. Uh, did you know that in Japan it was released as Captain Supermarket? <laughs> That's like <laughs> the perfect name for the movie. Um, I, I do feel like the the opening voiceover like gets across the the like the tone of the movie, uh, like so perfectly. Because um, the film is pretty bleak, and I it would have been even more bleak if they would have gone with the the original the original ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they 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 decided to go in a more. Uh, more I don't know. in the director's cut of the movie too there's a there's like a moderately graphic sex scene so is there you know that they, they cut that one out too in in the uh in the final uh theatrical cut um i what, i just think it's cool because him, him and the, the the lady friend i don't i don't know i just the trivia just, just says i cannot picture that there's no way there is a sex scene in the director's cut of the film with topless nudity and moaning that's what it says on the on my on my uh my trivia thing. Weird. Uh so this this is um the, another thing too is in the in this movie, I think what that they did that was really good was uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Um so it went from Evil Dead, uh horror with comedy, Evil Dead 2, a pretty f- even balance of comedy and horror. And then Army of Darkness is comedy with horror. Yes. And I think that that is the right lane for this this cast and and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. It's just the perfect lane for them to be in. They're they're really 
funny. They're just, he's good at, this character is so egotistical and self-centered, right? This, uh, this Ash, Ash character. And he's just, it's the perfect foil for this, like, terrible world. It reminds me of the end of the world's end, Kevin, where it's the end of the world, but, but that guy is having the time of his life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, it's, it's the same vibes where it's just, it's just a guy who was, he's, he's no good, you know, he's, or he's, he's just okay. But it's like, it's a satire, right? It's making fun of. Of, of a guy that we all know, a guy we've all worked with, right? The guy at the S Mart who who would would say something like, you know, I could have been the I, I could have been all state at quarterback. Time. If I was born <laughs> in a different time, I would have been. So that's that guy is Ash. That is Ash. He is one hundred percent that dude. And uh, I think that what's that's what kind of makes the character so fun and endearing in in a way. And just Bruce Campbell is so iconically perfect for that part because. He can bring all like he has the right voice and he has the right look to bring all the serious um, gravitas to the dangerous scenes. But he has that excellent comedic timing where he can kind of he could be the straight man while telling the joke. Yeah. Okay. now for fans of these movies, it's a big question. Uh, Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness. So I'm gonna pose that to y'all. So Evil Dead Two, or uh, or Army of Darkness. What do you, what do you guys me, think? For me, I'm going Evil Dead Two, just because that was the first one I saw. Um, there's still parts of it that are dark, or you know, not Army of Darkness is every part a comedy, and Evil Dead Two is very like, I mean, I'd just call that the bleak one. That's the that's the horror movie, the movie without hope with a lot of comedic, uh, I don't know, comic relief, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way that Ash just leans into that, that, that he's a jerk in, in army of darkness. And I like, I think that that like when he's fighting the little mini ashes. Yes. <laughs> and the stuff like scene. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, that stuff is just, I don't know. The movie just makes me laugh really hard and I, I really appreciate it. Um, it's a hard choice because like the pure horror homages of evil dead two are so strong from like the version of him attacking him from the mirror, or you have like the chase scenes through the woods with the camera from the evil spirits perspective. Like there's a lot of really strong horror elements to the first movie, or I mean to the second to evil dead two. But I feel like, Army of Darkness is a more unique movie. It mm-hmm. steered into its comedy elements in a way that it, you it's didn't borderline really get slap, otherwise. Slapstick, right? It's, yeah, it's a it's it's a throwback to like a different uh, a different kind of movie. These kind of movies, I think, don't get made anymore. Like slapstick comedies that aren't like Adam Sandler and his friends hanging out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the closest we'll get is like Thor Ragnarok. Um, yeah, that that's a great, actually a great great call. It's like that is probably the closest we get to this, but this has a more maybe like uh, more edge, right? It's it doesn't have the, well, the it's like, so the indie bite. still. It's like it's indie in a way that a Marvel movie isn't allowed to be. This is true. Yeah, if you look at like indie movies, it's still classified as an indie movie, even though it was major box office. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm uh. I'll, I'll, I'm excited to hear what people in the Discord think about Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and of course uh, Army of Darkness. So uh, for Kevin, 
Uh, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.